Hey, is that an e-wallet you're using? Mm-hmm. It's Touch and Go's e-wallet. Did you know going cashless helps save the trees? Uh, how? You know money doesn't grow on trees, right? Ha! Wrong! Banknotes are made from paper. And the more we go cashless, the less paper we use. True. Hmm. I've said goodbye to cash because the Touch and Go e-wallet is everything I need to go about my day. Just download it. Yeah. This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. Frequent friend of Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg apologist, also known as Culture Pops, Matt Armitage, is back on his fake news mission this week. We're never entirely sure whether he wants to stop it or spread it. So we'd better give him a chance to explain. Well, I think it's a bit unfair to say I'm a Facebook apologist. I think I'm more of a Facebook realist. Um, you know, we, we talk about accountability a lot. So today I want to ask... What exactly should Facebook or any other technology company be responsible for? Mm. Should it be responsible for stocking our fridge? Well, Amazon seems to be on its way to actually doing that one. Indeed. Um, Driving us to work? Yes. Well, Uber and Google are working on those as well. Uh, Looking after kids or elderly relatives? Well, yes. Companies like Samsung and Hitachi are building robots that should be able to take care of all our unwanted possessions. Um, And, well, the prize for still there. Hello, Yahoo. Um, But, yeah, and massive overpricing and glitchy software. Well, I think Apple's got that one covered. Oh, snap. Uh, Well, that's that topic resolved. Uh, What should we do for the next 20 minutes, then? Well, I always find that badminton works really well on the radio. I think that might be all the listeners can take. It was a good game, though. Um, I think you beat me uh, 40 love in that first game. Mate, that's a different game. Uh, Okay, let's go back to your friend Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Maybe we can pad the show out a bit. Well, regular listeners know that uh, Mark and I have this weird relationship where I call him Zuki Baby, and he acts as though he has no idea who I am. It's a strange Um, relationship. It's a strange relationship, but it's one that allows me to be absolutely honest about what I think of him and his company and its policies, and he continues to act as though he has no idea who I am. So it works really well. Ah. Um, You may have heard on the media, maybe even on BFM itself, that various governments have called for Mark Zuckerberg to appear at some kind of World Congress on... On fake news. Uh, they want him to answer questions that various world leaders and politicians have about the fake news epidemic. And I'm guessing about how to reset their router when the bandwidth drops out on a sun- Sunday morning. You're still on about the politicians don't know enough about technology trip. Well, that's why I made that horrible failed joke about resetting the uh, the router, which I know it's a cheap jibe. And the politicians are getting better at this, but it's not good enough to know that they're playing catch up. Right. Mark Zuckerberg is the boss of one of the world's largest companies. He's not the tech support guy from the basement of your office. That's not an excuse for him not to be held accountable. No, of course not. I mean, he should be uh, held to task. But it is pointless to hold someone to task unless we have the infrastructure and the knowledge to actually do that. Mm. Right now, he could turn up and say pretty much anything. Uh, For example, he could say that fake news was made possible because of the vulnerability in the root servers that govern DNS addresses and that that exploit prevented Perl programmed servers from correctly identifying the geolocations that his company's ads stream to and from. He could easily say that even though I just made it up. Ah. It's nonsense. Um, 
in the sense that none of it makes any sense. It's just random internet stuff I threw into a sentence. But our general lack of knowledge about the technology we rely on leaves us in this position that anyone who trots out a bunch of plausible-sounding terms is taken seriously. And that's what you want to talk about today. Because we're losing the ability to understand how our world works, and that's not new. We've discussed it here before. Mm. You know, Partly that's because some of the technology, like quantum computing and AI, is absurdly difficult to comprehend. But we assume that everything is just as complicated, so we stop bothering to figure it out, mm. and we become increasingly divorced from the reality. A- and we become, uh, when we stop being able to distinguish between what's truth and what's fiction. Exactly. They both just become words. The yeah. truth has no more distinction than the fiction. In fact, when we watch fiction, that fictional technology is often more plausibly explained than the truth, which is why we all think that DNA matching takes seconds <laughs> and that there is a super database that has the distinguishing characteristics of all the world's criminals. You know, we've arrived at this bizarre point where the easy availability of information should be allowing us to consider everything in a much more nuanced fashion but instead we're becoming incredibly polarized so we come up with binary positions yeah um those who are with us and those who are against us you know yes and no wrong and right Mm. and you know as any child whose parents have told them no they can't eat the green hairy thing that they just found under the car seat because life isn't fair can tell you the world doesn't work like that but this looks like it's shaping up to be another one of those apocalyptic episodes matthew Okay, admittedly, last week when I was with Jeff, I went full apocalypse with the story about Puerto Rico and wondering what would happen if you added cyber attacks into the natural disaster mix. I had intended this week to talk about the other side of the environmental debate and talk about some of the technologies that are helping us to adapt to climate change. And I'll do that in a a future episode fairly soon. Can't wait. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, I didn't want to talk about this fake news again while the uh, US midterms were still going on. And at the same time, I didn't want this Mark Zuckerberg World Congress topic to get too old either. Mm. Uh, Plus, this week, there have also been news reports about India's struggle to tame fake news over WhatsApp. So I thought I'd slide this in for a quiet Friday brunch before it spoils. Okay, let's wander back to Facebook then. What does the world need now? Well, I, I should burst into song or something. Love, yeah. sweet yeah. love. It's the one thing that there's too little of. Um, failing that, uh, a face-to-face with the Facebook CEO. So if we go back to the, the reports of the story that came out last week, there's set to be a pan-national digital disinformation committee in the UK on the 27th of November. So representatives from the UK, Canada, Argentina, Australia and Ireland have called on Zuckerberg to attend and make himself available for lawmakers' questions. It also suggests that the UK organisers concentrated on the letters A through C (laughs) when they searched through the Rolodex of international contacts and Ireland got a default note through the letterbox because, you know, it's the next door neighbour. Right. Hasn't Facebook responded to world governments over the fake news affair? Well, that's where there's a difference of opinion. So, so far, Mark Zuckerberg has declined to appear and Facebook's position seems to be that they have responded to several governments already. Uh, Zuckerberg and other senior Facebook officials have answered questions. And by golly, that should be enough. Um, That's not to say that Facebook has declared the issue over. Uh, Throughout the US midterms, the company made periodic announcements about profiles it had deleted that were suspected of misinformation or improper attempts to influence public opinion. But despite all of this, it still seems to me that we're doing all of this back to front. In in what sense? Well, 
this is where the, the information and knowledge gap comes in. So, you know, let's accept the facts. The majority of people have no idea how Facebook works. They don't understand how social media tools can be used to spread disinformation and misinformation. Right. And they don't understand that this wasn't just about buying ads that sent negative or false messages to people. It was also about creating fake profiles that would represent individuals or even entirely fictional grassroots movements or interest groups. Just, just elaborate a little bit on that. Well, I'm not saying that this is how it happened, but this is the way that I would do it. Um, let's say I set up the Culture Pop Exotic Donut Society. I call it KEDS. Uh, <laughs> so we've got a fan page and I promote it heavily. Uh, it gets 100,000 likes because, you know, who doesn't like donuts? Right. Uh, it's especially popular with US law enforcement officers, uh-huh. obviously. Yep, yep. So in amongst the donut recipes and fan shots, I sprinkle a few posts with US police officers engaging with difficult members of the public. Posts that always show the police in a very positive light. Mm. So I check to see how many likes I'm getting for that kind of post. I'm especially looking for comments, not just likes. The more comments, the more engaged my followers are. And that tells me whether to post more of this kind of police content or just stick to the donuts. Do you often stick to donuts? It depends how heavily I lean on them. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry, I do apologise for that joke. But even that awful, awful gag is an example of how you can lead a conversation to a specific outcome. Now, I'm not going to go into that side of it. I've said this before. You can go and look up people like Darren Brown's work if you want more examples of how easily we can be psychologically influenced Mm. uh, in terms of our behaviour and the direction. All right. After the break, we'll take a quick look at where this donut is heading. The things I have to say on this show, Matt. You're, of course, listening to Matt Splained here on BFM 89.9. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9. Right, uh, so before the break, Culture Pop's Matt Armitage was riding the, the donut of oblivion uh, towards impending doom. What are we casting our glaze towards now? So we're talking about binary choices today. I'm sorry, I keep making you say all these puns. The idea that we can only choose wrong or right. Yeah. Um, and if one position is right, then the other person must automatically be wrong. Um, I know that seems like a refuge of certainty in a world that is very much uncertain, but it really is a bit like poking your head in the sand. You know, you're opting for very easy tribalism instead of doing the hard work of searching for answers. And that's a long way from donuts. I can frame this argument in terms of donuts. Um, In binary terms, there are donuts with holes and there are donuts without holes. Oh, yeah. yeah, and those are the only two types of donuts that exist. And if you like one type of donut, you can't like the other. That's boring. Well, the binary world is boring. If the only two colour options available to you were black and white, then you'd think grey was the most psychedelic and <laughs> mind-bending thing you'd ever seen. And the same goes for donuts. In a world of plain donuts, the only thing that differentiates them is the aesthetic. Mm. Whether you prefer with or without a hole, the taste is going to be the same. Donuts only get interesting when you put stuff on them or in them or both. Um, thankfully, in the real world, donuts are a broad church and they make room for everyone. And life is kind of like that donut. It only gets interesting once you've added some multicoloured sprinkles. Which brings me back to what we were talking about before the break. 
my donut fan page and how I can use it to influence what people think. You've already started showing your support for law enforcement with pro-police videos. Yeah, so imagine I've put up a post of an easy-to-make cronut recipe. Is anyone still eating cronuts? Well, you and your lamestream friends might have left the cronut behind as you embrace stevia and quinoa <laughs> flour. But for some of us, double glazing is a badge of honour. Diabetes be damned. Mm. So sprinkled amongst the comments about my fabulous and so easy to follow recipe, I start to seed in some darker comments from the fake profiles I've set up. These comments might say that Richard Bradbury, a celebrity patissier who is my main rival, melts plastic bags into the batter to make his donuts shinier. So among the genuine gasps of shock, horror and it can't be true, other fake accounts I operate post links to blogs and news sites that expose the diabolical double dealings of this shady chef. So you've also made uh, the effort to set up fake blogs and, and websites to publicise my non-existent cronut crimes. <laughs> it doesn't actually take much. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but a few dollars spent at one of those Indian word farms that creates cheap blog posts, a couple of domain names that look like professional news sites, and I've used some knockoff WordPress templates to put those together, a few hours' work, and actually very little cash. So now I go and buy some ads that... Um, I buy the ads on Facebook and other social media sites and ad buying sites. And these ads start to follow you around the web. Mm. And we all experience that. We all get trailed by ads. You know, you go to a product site and the next site you go to is full of ads for the product you were just looking at. Yep. That's how the cookies work. So now I have, sorry, donuts and cookies. Yeah, wow. Brilliant. Um, so now I have my fake expose posts turning up everywhere you go. And I can use that same content over and over on dozens of different fake sites if I choose to, because most people are never going to click on the article. So it's really just the headline and the photo that matter. So I can churn out headlines for all these posts, donut dicks, plastic passion, elephant dung, healthier than Richard's cronuts, eat me and die. You know, you start off funny and you can get darker and darker with these things. But haven't you broken the law at this point? Well, I may have broken libel or defamation laws, but that doesn't really matter because my websites are all located in countries that either cloak me in anonymity or don't recognise libel or defamation right. or the legal jurisdictions that they're lodged in. Or maybe there's no libel at all. Uh, I might be simply exaggerating reports and leaving misleading wording that pushes people into thinking I've said those things when actually I've only alluded to them. For example, there might have been a picture of you walking into your kitchen with a plastic bag full of eggs and sugar. But when you come out of the kitchen later, there's no plastic bag. The eggs and sugar were for the donuts, that's obvious. So it's only logical to assume that you put the plastic bag in the mix too. Uh, and, and if I say I'm innocent? That doesn't make the slightest bit of difference. I mean, it's ironic, but the subject of the attack is irrelevant. It's the attacks themselves that are important. It's creating the arguments and the chaos. Mm. So what I've done is create an environment where Richard Bradbury is presented as a villain. And his crime is so straightforwardly evil and villainous that you can't help but have an opinion on it. So you, the real Richard Bradbury, who's probably never made a cronut in his entire life now belong to this binary world, one where you've become a meme and you're just an angry bystander in all these discussions of whether you're guilty or innocent. I, I feel a really pressing need right now to pivot this away from me and back to Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, you mentioned before the break that the way we treat sites like Facebook is, is back to front. What did you mean by that? 
Well, at the moment, I feel we're placing too much responsibility on the technology companies themselves. So the methodology I just outlined to turn you into a cartoon villain requires me to register domain names, publish sites and purchase ads on multiple sites and platforms. Right. Um, overall, what I'm doing may constitute harassment or bullying or slander, but each step is carried out perfectly legally. I'm using digital tools to connect all of those threads. So how much of that is actually Facebook's responsibility? And realistically, how much can Facebook do on its own to actually rein my behaviour in? Well, I mean, you know, we keep hearing these... Uh that they have systems in place to monitor everything, right? <laughs> and and those systems are really blunt. Um, you know, there's been no shortage of shows by me this year on artificial intelligence. Uh, and one of the recurring themes of those shows has been the stupidity of our AI systems. Mm. So, yes, we can leave the policing of all these sites to machines in the same way that we can leave a baby in the care of a beagle puppy. <laughs> it will have an outcome, but it probably won't be the one that you were hoping for. So you're saying now that it's pointless and we should give up and, and just go home? Well, no, not at all. I mean, Facebook, Google, Twitter, Snapchat, Apple, a thousand other companies, they all have a role to play. But right now we're in this weird position where lawmakers call Mark Zuckerberg and ask him what he's doing to curb something that's essentially their problem. Gotcha. Because let's be honest, Facebook doesn't care what politicians want. They care what their shareholders, their clients, and to a smaller extent, their users want. And fake news is only bad for social media sites if it causes users to log off. Right. If conspiracy theories are actually good for your bottom line, then where's the incentive to, to move away from them? All right. What would you like to see happen? The lawmakers really have to, to take charge. I mean, it's not good enough for them to say that they don't understand the technology. A lot of countries have a default position in law that says ignorance of the law is no defence. Mm. But that's the exact position that lawmakers adopt when it comes to technology. We don't understand you, so we can't regulate you. But how many industries let you decide what you are? Uh, lawmakers ask Facebook, are you a news or a media company? And Facebook says, no, we're a something-something company. But in the real world, you tell Facebook what it is and you make it conform to the guidelines and the laws that govern that specific industry. And how would that look? It would look absolutely normal. <laughs> um, we act as though the technology industry has some kind of imperial exceptionalism that exempts it from the rules that the rest of us follow. I can't open a restaurant and call it a stationary shop because that allows me to avoid all the hygiene regulations that govern restaurants. When the tech industry does exactly that, we call it a work of genius and we praise those companies for being disruptive. Mm. But there's another older word for that kind of disruption, and that's snake oil merchants. Good point. Uh, now, can lawmakers now take charge, do you think, or have they ceded too much ground? They've ceded a lot of ground, but they do have to take charge. You know, they're the only ones who can create the framework that determines what is and isn't allowed. I'd like to see a lot more regulation of political and other campaigning, spending on these platforms and govern the money that they're allowed to receive and the content that can be aired. So recently, the Iceland supermarket chain in the UK had its Christmas TV ad rejected by the broadcast regulator for being too political. Mm. That was because it discussed the palm oil industry. Now, I might disagree with that regulator's decision, but at least there is a regulator, you know, there's a framework there. And there's no reason why we can't have similar rules for digital ads and campaigns as well. So, so what role do we, you know, the public have to play in this? Well, 
I often talk about the pressure that we can put on technology companies to shape their behavior. And this isn't one of those instances because we don't actually want Facebook or any technology company to be the arbiter here. In fact, a lot of tech companies have made it clear that they would welcome legislation because it simplifies the position for them as well. It gives them that sense of being right and wrong. Mm. It eliminates at least some of the ambiguity. Right now, there's this vacuum that makes it far too easy for partisan and hostile actors to exploit and subvert the norms of society. Mm. So we need to pressure our representatives in government to make those decisions for us. But what about the donuts, Matt? What about the donuts? Well, that is something we can do. We can try harder not to fall into the binary donut trap. Uh, we have to be a little more open-minded and questioning. We have to try and see through the conspiracy theories. We have to be a little less accepting of nonsensical and seemingly binary positions because ultimately we're responsible for what we think and we believe. But above all, I think if there's one conclusion that today's show should lead us towards, it's that we have to stop blaming Richard Bradbury. <laughs> uh, for more on the dark arts of communication, you can head over to uh, culturepop.com where you'll find uh, transcripts of these delightful shows. Uh, stay tuned, everybody. Just coming up after the break, we will have Geek Squawk here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.